Well, I'm going to be real with you today. This is an interesting message. Um, God really challenged me with this message this week. It's called uh, Vengeance is the Lord's. And uh, be nice to the substitute teacher, okay? <laughs> we are continuing in the book of Romans. Uh, we are, Pastor Chris is on chapter 4, and I had prepared this one for the future, obviously, Romans 12. But um, given the circumstances, and maybe it's the Holy Spirit's timing, we're going to preach it right now. Vengeance is the Lord's. And what the question is that we're going to look at is the question of when you are wronged or betrayed or injured or hurt or sinned against, or someone makes a dig at you or a slight or a sarcastic or unkind comment, whether big or small, how do you handle it? We're all injured, right? We're in this world where we all get hurt. And we know that we've read somewhere in Scripture that vengeance is the Lord's, but in practice, sometimes vengeance is ours. Maybe for some of us, we've seen so many horrible things or experienced them or saw others experience them that we sometimes say this to ourselves, I can't let that go. Have you been there? I can't let that one go, Lord. I'm going to get even. I'm not going to let him do me like that. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. See, that's the Bible, right? Uh, you know, we come out of our mamas with a sin nature. Amen? Uh, that's theological, right, Garen? Okay, so my twin brother, everyone should have an evil twin. Uh, when we were four years old, okay, he bit me in the arm very hard. I didn't have to be taught what vengeance was because I opened the clothes dryer. It was on. I opened it. It stopped. Told my brother, hey, look in there. In my four-year-old logic, he looked in, pushed him in, slammed the door. Kid in the dryer. Da-dum, boom, da-dum, boom, and I ran away. Okay, he was, don't worry, he survived. He's all right. We're friends. This, this is pre-Christ, y'all. Okay? Um, you know, my mom rescued him, but what's the point? The point is vengeance. You, you bite my arm, you go in the dryer. You hit me, I hit you. Who's like that? Anyone? Oh, it's just me. All right, same brother, okay? High school. You know... Despite my physique, we weren't the biggest guys in high school. So we decided that we were going to have to survive together in high school. And we had a rule. It was called the 50 times rule. If you hurt me, we'll hurt you 50 times worse. And it worked out for high school. Public high school could be a tough place. And it helped us there. It, it didn't help my marriage. It didn't help me later on in life. Some people are looking at me like, oh, that explains a lot, okay, about Mike. Um, so anyway, in high school, I had this mentality, and we were playing football in gym class, and there was a kid uh, who offended me in some way, or, or I was angry at him, and I didn't like him. So he did bad to me, and I wanted to do bad to him. Now, when you do bad to others, you can be aggressive-aggressive or passive-aggressive. This time, I opted with passive-aggressive. And so we're in the locker room, and Steve Mushini who comes from a long line of bullies in Merrimack, New Hampshire. He's like the top bully, okay? We're in, we're in the locker room, and the guy I didn't like is in the next locker room, like through the window, you know, the door. And I said, hey, Mush, you hear what that guy said about you? He says, what, what? 
I go, yeah, he was talking all sorts of junk. He said that. And then, you know, Andy Duffy's like, he could see what's happening. There's blood in the water. He's like, yeah, you know what he did, what he said. And we're like, we're sinners. We're lying. Okay. I'm trying to get revenge. He's mush starts going. He starts literally panting. Then he goes through the door, eventually blasts in. And I, you know, the door closes. I can see through the little window. He's just in this guy's face. You know, they're, they're bumping chest. And how did I feel? proud of myself (laughs) why that guy did wrong to me and now i'm gonna make his world a little more miserable amen (laughs) are we allowed to that's called revenge my other brother josh okay now he's the holy one in the family um my little brother okay we're all sinners okay he is one of the largest antique uh asian art sellers in new england and he started right out of college and he was in his 20s, and he was at this big auction. And before an auction, you're looking at all the prices of all the vases and the artwork, and he's taking his notes, and this, this, this gentleman from another culture who was a big shot saw Josh, saw how young he was, and said, out of my way. Essentially saying, the big guy's here, and I'm going to price, so, so get away from that vase. My little brother, he filed that. And the next day in the auction... Every time that guy raised his hand to buy, my brother outbid him. And that guy got no art that day because my brother kept outbidding him. And he's pretty proud of that story, I must admit. But the thing is, is that usually he acts like a Christian. And the reason he's successful is he's disciplined. What's my point? Vengeance makes you do emotional things. And do you think that was good for his bottom line? Because of his vengeance, he bid too much on all those things. And it didn't help his business, it didn't help his life. Um, So we can be sinned against in big ways or small ways. I know one of my best friends, he works for Child Protective Services, and he's told me before, he said, the evils I see done to children on a daily basis, if I didn't have Christ, I don't know where I'd be. But small ways, we can also want to have revenge, road rage. Someone, even in your family, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your house, they give you a sarcastic comment. What do you do? Well, you give them one back, right? It happens, okay? Maybe someone is, is cool to you, and you're going to be unkind to them. There's Within families, within society, we always have this attitude of wanting to get back at the other person one way to, or the other. And we know that this, the scriptures teach against it, but sometimes we can't help ourselves or we give in to our sinful nature. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, this is an image from Voice of the Martyrs, and it says, extremists buried her village and murdered her family, but they could not kill her faith. There are brothers and sisters around the world who suffer for the gospel. And don't you think they want to take revenge as well? Of course they do. How do we deal with that? And you might not be as diabolical as I am in being aggressive-aggressive, but some of us are sometimes passive-aggressive. Maybe we channel the hurts or the injuries that happen to us in different ways through passive-aggressive behavior, gossip, complaints, bitterness, unforgiveness. And so... The Word of God wants to deal with this and wants us to come.
to a place where we have victory in this area. And I'm in process. Preachers sometimes come from a place of somewhat victory, and sometimes they come from a place of struggle. I'm in a place of struggle. Uh, just in the last month, uh, a close person to me, and I can't get into the details, but the situation was, um, it could have been a professor, it could have been a boss, could have been a coach, someone in power violated lines with a subordinate. You know, that happens. And it's a terrible thing. And when I heard about this and how it injured the person that I cared about, my reaction was just hot red anger. And I had violent thoughts. That was my first thought. How can I, I want to punch this person. I want to confront this person. And I was thinking, no, I can't. I'll, I'll lose my job. Or, you know, I got a family. That If any of you have someone you love, which you all do, if you imagine some things that are just egregious and it makes you have that hatred in your heart, but then that's not how Jesus wants us to be. So um, you get the point? How do we give this to the Lord? How do we give vengeance to the Lord? So with that, would you mind standing for the reading of God's word? Romans twelve seventeen through 21. The word of God says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with, by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Lord God, this is a real challenging word, Lord, for us, because we always want to take matters into our own hands, whether through aggressive-aggressive behavior or passive-aggressive behavior. We want an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus, you've taught us such a different way. I'm always struck, Lord, when you're on the cross and the Jewish leaders were mocking you, even though you're the creator of heaven and earth. You said, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, help us as your followers to leave things at the altar. Maybe some of us have come here today and we have unforgiveness. We have bitterness. We have hatred. Help us to leave this at your cross today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. This scripture has a lot of, it just preaches itself really, because there are three major reasons why this passage talks about why we should never repay evil for evil. We never avenge ourselves, okay, because others are watching, kind of like right now, okay? <laughs> repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, what we're noticing here is all, all. We want to avoid taking vengeance for ourselves because we represent Christ. We are ambassadors. 1 Corinthians 1.17 says we are ambassadors of Christ. Now, the definition of an ambassador is such as this, is what it says in 
um, one of the commentaries. An ambassador is a respected official acting as the representative of a nation sent to a foreign land. The ambassador's role is to reflect the official position of the sovereign, the king that gave him authority. So as ambassadors, what an important position we have that for a lot of people, you are a walking epistle. They might never come into a church or they haven't come to church, but they know you're a believer. Maybe on the job, they know you're a believer or you're the only member in the family that's really walking with the Lord. They are watching you. They're watching you. And, and so when we don't represent our king, it reflects poorly on the king. So let's look at Matthew 5. We'll go to the next slide. Now, pay attention. Look for loopholes. Okay, this is when Jesus says, turn the other cheek. I'm looking for loopholes, but I don't see any. If you see any, raise your hand and let me know, okay? I told you I'm in process. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would, who would borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Did you find any loopholes? It's really tough. Can you imagine you're a, you're a Jewish person and you're occupied by Rome and you're just trying to do your job, okay? Maybe you're farming or maybe you're a mason or whatever. And then you have this Roman soldier say, hey, I need you. Hey, Jew, come over here. Carry my pack. I got to go to the next town. Do you have a choice in the matter? You pick it up and you go. And then you have to do your work later on. And so if you travel one whole mile, guess what? You lose that hour or a couple hours or whatever it is. And then what? You have to go back. But what did Jesus say? Do good. Go to. What? Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense in your mind? Why? Peter, the, Peter the apostle, he knew. He said, Jesus, you're wrong. <laughs> See, I, I got it. I got this. So, so Jesus is explaining to his disciples. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I'm going to suffer and die for this world. And Peter's like, no, you got it wrong, Jesus. This is not how it's going to go down. I rebuke you. Isn't that how we are? Like, turn the other cheek. I rebuke you, Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Because when we use our own carnal thinking... Sometimes the enemy speaks through us. And that's what happens when we take vengeance in our own hands. So what does the word of God say when we take vengeance on ourselves and we don't give it to God and we, we do it through passive aggressive behavior or aggressive aggressive behavior? Romans 2.24 says that when we disobey God and we misrepresent him, it says God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Wow. Oh, he's a Christian. And then you watch how he behaves and you're like, that's not a real God. Jesus is blasphemed because of us when we misrepresent him. Second Samuel 12, 
it says that when David disobeyed, by his disobedience, he showed utter contempt for the word of the Lord. Utter contempt. So when we misrepresent God, people have contempt for our Lord. Wow. I remember when I was at um, the University of New Hampshire many years ago, top 10 school, top 10 drinking school. Okay? And people would come, and they'd all, they were all rushing fraternities. I was a freshman, and they'd all be passed out in the hallway, and they were drunk. And, uh, but they knew I was a Christian, and I wasn't into that, but I was still young in my faith. And this one guy, Keith, who I used to play basketball with, we used to hang out. But when he was drunk, sometimes that's a truth serum. And he came right up to me, and he says, I'm watching you, Mike. And when you mess up, I'll be there. People are watching your life. We're not perfect, but in the overall scope, are we any different from the rest of the world? Two years later, I was in, I was playing basketball in the center of campus, okay? Same, same campus. This is when I was young and better, okay? <laughs> City ballers, okay? And so um, they had the, the basketball court, and then they had the dorms around the three sides. And so there's people all, you know, watching out out the windows and it's like an exciting place that's as close as i'll get to any like real competition okay so we're playing hoops and hey i stole the ball and our team scored great i'm fast i'm not that bad anything come on um steal it again second time okay so the guy is getting kind of mad third time he's coming down I'm, i know i'm going to steal it again when you play defense your hands are open like this right he dribbles down, and he just smashes the ball right in my face. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever seen that happen? I've never seen it happen before or since. What would you do in that situation? Open the Bible? Play a, pray a blessing? Well, I'll tell you what your preacher did. I was right going for his face, okay? I started punching his face, and I, this is true. I don't know how this works, but it's a spiritual thing. I'm halfway to his face, and it was just, I, I didn't think about it, I was just punching his face. You hit my ball, you hit the ball in the face, punch your face, okay? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, okay? That's fair, right? That's equitable. That's not 50 times, but that's equitable. <laughs> so I'm on the way like this, and the Holy Spirit says in my ear, you're a Christian. <laughs> so I was like, how did that work? I don't know how that did in the space-time continuum, Holy Spirit, I don't know how that works, but I'm like, Oh my goodness. And at the time, there's 12,000 students at UNH and only 200 identified as Christians. Only two Christian groups. You need to have officers to have a group on campus. I was a vice president of a Christian group on campus in the middle of this whole arena. And I'm like, ah. So it was too late. I didn't hit his face, but I pulled it down, hit his shoulder, and then there was a scuffle. And you know how that goes. Okay, that's normal guy behavior. What's the point? The point is people are watching you. Why do we not partake in vengeance? Why don't we take the cheese? Because others are watching. Amen? So that's the first reason that it says, it says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Okay, next slide, please. Here's the second reason, okay? So we look at verse 19, and this is the key verse. The key verse is this, beloved, Never avenge yourselves. What does it say? Ever? Maybe this one time? No, never avenge yourselves. 
but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This verse is actually a quote from Deuteronomy 32.35, and it's also quoted in Hebrews, that vengeance is the Lord's. I want you to notice that vengeance itself is not wrong. Our personal taking vengeance is wrong. God can take vengeance. That's his domain, right? It says, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. Think about vengeance is mine. So here we have tithe money here. What would happen if someone just ripped this off and ran out and spent it? Would you want to do that? Steal God's money? That's cursed. That would be cursed money, right, at that point for that person? That, that You wouldn't want to steal money that was meant to go to God's church or to help the poor or whatnot. But when we take vengeance ourselves, what are we doing? We're taking what God says is mine. We're taking it from God. God says, the vengeance business, that's mine. You just give it to me. Now, there's a caveat, and I don't have time to really get into it, but um, God does give a couple institutions in the home. He does allow the rod for discipline. Um, with In the state, in Romans 13, he does give the sword. So he gives courts, and he gives authorities. Although they're imperfect, God does allow and control the office of the king, the government, and so on. So you can take things in that arena, and the church has authority when it comes to excommunication, which is a very serious offense. So God does give a few caveats where we're allowed to participate in the justice business, okay? But that's not personal vengeance, and that's what this passage is talking about. I wanted to make that clear because one of my students when she heard about this verse, she says, I don't like this. Because when I was in China, I was assaulted by a classmate. This person would, would um, harass, I'll just say harass her. And it was terrible and bothersome to her. And she said, when I went to my church, the church member said, turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. And she says, I don't like that. I don't think, what do you think, professor? And that's a tough one, right? So I don't want to say, oh, they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, oh, those church members are wrong. I don't know the whole story, but I said this. I said, I don't think that's what this scripture is teaching. Because there's a difference between boundaries. There's a difference between reporting to proper authorities and personal vengeance. To have a line to self-defense, that's, that's not what's being talked about here. Does that make sense? But let's get back to this verse. That was a little caveat. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. What if I told you there was a way where you would be guaranteed justice, but you don't have to get your hands dirty? Okay, a couple stories. Uh, I live in a wonderful neighborhood in Roland Heights, but we get tagged by gangs here and there once in a while. It's part of the Southern California experience, right? Uh, anyone have that happen? Okay. So, okay, don't touch the sign. Call, you know, the government and let them paint over it or whatnot. Well, that happened to us, and it happened to another neighbor. And to protect the innocent, I'm just going to call this guy Carl, and I'm going to say he's a mechanic. But he's a real guy in my neighborhood. And he's been living in the neighborhood, and he's a real tough guy. And he kind of watches over the neighborhood. And by the grace of God, he also kind of watches over us. And someone tagged his wall, and what he did, and he told me, or, or my neighbor, this story, 
he took a spray paint after they tagged his wall. You know, he went out to the, to, to the tag and he circled it. I don't recommend this, everybody. Okay. He circled it, put an arrow and he wrote an expletive. Kind of like, this is what I think about your tag. Okay. You think that's a good idea? Well, what he had done is he had talked to the gang leader already. And he, he, he had cleared. He's, I'm taking care of this one of your boys, blah, 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 blah. So he took care of it. An, a police friend of his, he's been around a while, said, are you crazy, Carl? You, you know, and he's like, I know what I'm doing. That night, of course, the gang saw that someone disrespected their sign. And so they come out night and he hears. So the guy, they're tagging again. He sicks his pit bull on him. Okay. So pit bull starts going to work. Carl gets out, pummels the guy. Carl spends the night in jail. That's called street justice. <laughs> okay. Now, how does it relate to Mike and Jen? <laughs> Someone tagged our wall as well. And Carl, we didn't ask him. Carl says, we'll take care of it. <laughs> we'll take care of it. It's like, oh, I'm not messing with Carl. Whatever Carl does, Carl does. Okay. <laughs> I'm not messing with it, Carl. So I'm hearing, I'm having my civilian life teaching English as a second language, going to school. Jen's homeschooling the kids. Kids are being like happy homeschool. Meanwhile, I find out later his boys find out who does it, smash the windows of the car, and they tag on the, with the same tag on the guy's uh, car, and Carl took care of it, okay? Now, what's my point? My point is, who do you think did a better job getting the revenge business, me and Jen doing it ourselves, or Carl? Probably Carl. <laughs> what if I told you there's someone holier than Carl, stronger than Carl, that could take care of your business? I got another one. Next, oh, I don't say next door. Let's say somewhere in my neighborhood. <laughs> There was crime happening in a house. Okay, this is, a, this is another true story. This happened in the last couple of years, and it was really bad stuff, and there's a bunch of customers going over to that house. A lot of bad things happening in that house. That's all I can say about that. But I was so angry because my kids play basketball right there. Do you want your kids playing around with this CD behavior? No. These, uh, I got to edit myself. These gentlemen in their cars just hanging around? No, I don't want that. So... What I, what I did is, of course, what did Carl have to say? I don't know them. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. So Carl's not dealing with this problem. Jen and I go into prayer. We start, I, I wanted to, you know, I looked at guns, all this stuff. So it's like, what am I going to do? Take six shooters and go and like become a movie hero or something? It's like, oh, Pastor Mike just took care of business. It's not a movie. This is real life. I'm not going to go to prison. So... We were praying, oh, this person I know is in an agency. Call this person. He has connections. And then we pray for a period of time. One day Isaiah says, hey, Dad, look outside. There's like 30 law enforcement, guns drawn. They took care of business. It was over. Okay? Praise God. That was the end of that problem. Here's the point. We didn't get involved. We didn't take personal vengeance. If you give it over... Carl took care of business, but he's a fallen man. The agency is a fallen institution. But what if a holy God, Jesus, was able to take care of all the wrongs, all the hurts, all the abuses? Part of the reason that we don't, we, we don't fathom that Jesus 
is our avenger. And I just want to show you a couple verses. If you look at Revelation, we'll go to the next one. Revelation 20. The same Jesus who said to turn the other cheek is also the one that the Father has given to judge the world. Look at verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and to him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Do you think Jesus is taking care of business? Do you think Jesus is taking care of judgment? It's not minimizing the wrongs that have been done to you or loved ones or people you care about. When we know that Jesus is recording all the wrongs, all the hurts, all the painful things, you will get justice in his due time. Even Carl took a little bit of time before he did his street justice. Even that agency took about six months before they did their justice. Sometimes God waits, but sometimes he does act. Let me just tell you this one story in the Bible that you've heard about, the story of Esther. Sometimes in this life, we do see poetic justice served, vengeance served, because Haman was an evil man who was trying to wipe out all the Jews. You know the story. Mordecai and Esther, how do they operate? With vengeance? They prayed, they sought counsel, Esther went before the king prayerfully, thoughtfully, knowing it could cost her life. And what happened is this, Haman had created these gallows to hang all the Jewish people, to kill all the Jews. What did God have happen? He had Mordecai, not Mordecai, he had Haman hung on the gallows that he built himself. That's poetic justice. That's something that God did. But if, if Mordecai had tried to interfere or Esther and not follow God's plan, God's perfect plan wouldn't have been executed. I'm not saying it's easy, but we have to have faith as a people of God that Jesus, in the end, he's recording and he'll take care of things. Before I, I go to the third point, you know, when we take justice into our own hands, when we act in the flesh by harboring bitterness or seeking out revenge, saying that unkind word, what we're doing is we're saying this, is that hell is not hot enough for the evil this other person put on me. It has to be, because Jesus, I don't trust that you're writing this down and you're going to deal with it. I also want to slap the person. Or... Maybe this person, through your good works and your turning the other cheek, maybe they'll be like the centurion who says, surely this was the son of God. Maybe someone who was on the wrong side will see how beautiful Jesus is, how he forgave those who reviled him and say, this, there's something different about this Christ because it brings conviction. Don't you want that for someone? Someone? 
that even the people that hurt you, and if, if some things are so so tough, God God can handle it. He, he knows that, okay, I'll take this from you, child. You just give this to me. He, he's not going to, God's not going to make you dwell on things that are too much for you to bear. Does that make sense, church? So the first reason why we never take personal vengeance is that others are watching us and we're ambassadors of Christ. The second reason is that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It is his domain, not our domain. And here's the third reason why. The third reason why the scriptures say we never avenge ourselves is because it'll heap burning coals on enemies' heads. Now we're talking. Burning coals, searing pain in the scalps of my enemies. Is that what the scripture says? I think so. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. All right, so I can live with that. But unfortunately, probably my limited interpretation of this in the past was wrong because I was driving. This is a road rage story. Okay, I'm driving. I'm a perfect driver. I'm a good driver. Okay, the rest of the world, I don't know, you know. So I'm driving, and this guy next to me is like yelling at me, swearing at me. And I'm thinking, oh, what's this guy? And he's, you know, it's always always a guy in a pickup, right, Nathan? It's always a guy in a pickup, okay? You know, I guess I miss you or whatever. So they're looking over at me swearing. It wasn't Nathan. It might have been, but maybe. I don't know. I didn't know him then. So this guy's just yelling at me, going on and on, and I'm, I'm just driving, ignoring the person, okay? I'm probably singing worship songs or something like that. And then I was, I'm sorry. Um, so I'm driving. He's going for a while, but I'm just not giving him anything to go off of him. So he finally quits. And he's starting to exit. Okay. So he's exiting, and now there's concrete between the two of us. But I can see him, and he can still see me. So what did I do? The verse, he burning coals on his head, is in my mind. So I look over at him. We lock eyes, and I go like this. (laughs) And boy, did he get mad. He was so mad. And guess what? I felt great. (laughs) But... I think I misunderstood the verse, okay? I'm so sorry. But it felt good for a moment, but that's not what God wants to teach us, okay? Uh, Proverbs 25 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. For if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For doing so, you'll heap coals of fire in his head. What it's talking about is this. In Romans 2.4, we've already studied this, God's kindness leads to repentance. God's kindness. Nah, that wasn't kindness. That wasn't kindness. God's kindness leads to repentance. What happens is when we do good to others, truly good to others, it doesn't mean we're saying what they did to us is right. It's just choosing. I'm going to follow my Lord. And when I do what's right, it's going to bring what? Shame to the person. It'll bring shame. And then the next phase of shame could lead to conviction. It it happens. And then conviction could lead to true repentance. Another time, a pickup guy was yelling at me. This is another true story. This happened in Whittier. This time, I handled it a little differently. You know, sanctification process, okay? A couple years later, okay? And he's yelling, he's mad, and, you know, it's probably his fault because I'm such a great driver. But what I did is I just did this. My bad. Sorry. And when you do that, it just takes all the fuel away. 
So they're like, ah, you, blah, 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 and someone like me, sorry. Yeah, you know, they get it, you know, it just, it just takes all the power out of it. And my, of course it hurts my pride because it's his fault. But what are you going to do? Run him off the road? It's not going to happen. I want to tell you that it brought shame to that guy. I don't know if it brought conviction, but the Bible tells us a couple stories where when you do the right thing amidst evil, it can actually bring shame, which could bring conviction. Think about what, how David dealt with Saul. King David, before he was the king, he kills Goliath, right, out of faith. Takes the head of Goliath, throws it to Saul. There you go. And expanded his kingdom, defeated the Philistines. How, what did David do for King Saul? Expanded his territory, made him a stronger king. But how did Saul repay the favor? Throwing javelins at David. Sending him to the caves betraying him. Have you ever been betrayed by a loved one? That's what happened. And so what David did is this. All of his followers, not all of them, but some of them said, let's kill him. Let's kill Saul. He did you wrong. He did wrong. And what did David always say? David always said, how could I touch God's anointed? And he even one time had the opportunity to kill Saul, and he cut a piece of his cloak off, and then later on showed it to him to say, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And what did Saul do? He says, David, you are a better man than me. He was convicted. He didn't repent, but he was convicted. But there is one story that it went from shame to conviction to actual repentance. And it's the one God used to write the scripture. Another Saul, Paul. Think about it. Before Paul was, when he was Saul, before he was a believer, he was persecuting Christians. And one day, Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church, was preaching. You remember the story. And, and the Jewish leaders are stoning him to death. And what is Stephen doing? Is he, is he arguing? Is he fighting back? He's just preaching, and he's giving his life. He's spilling his blood. He's looking to heaven. And Paul, it says, Paul watched it. They said that all the coats of the men who were stoning him were at the feet of Saul. And that Saul later on became Paul, the apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Why? Because Stephen did not avenge himself. He gave himself to the Lord, and by doing so, entrusted himself to the Lord. In doing so, Paul repented and now is going to be in heaven. And Paul many times was left for dead, and he never fought back. That is a high standard, is it not? That is against my nature. It might be against your nature. So what I want to do to conclude here is I want to walk you through how I dealt with that issue I talked about earlier when a loved one of mine had their lines crossed and how I dealt kind of my stages of rage and how I dealt with it. I'm just being real, people. Is that all right? Okay, just being real of how this scripture affected my thinking. The first phase is I found I heard the news, okay, or the betrayal happens. And how do you feel? You feel intense hurt, maybe pain, maybe anger or whatnot. For me it was anger because how could someone do that? And and uh and so that was my first phase. And and the first phase was anger. And the Bible says be angry but what? 
do not sin. So you can be angry. You can have righteous anger, but don't sin. My second step, you should skip this step, but my second step was, how am I going to get back at this person? What can I, like, I just was so angry. And, and I'm not, like, I'm not a brawler, okay? I don't go get in bar fights or anything like that, but I was, the, the emotion was real. I was so angry. I want to punch this person. I want to, and I'm like, no, I can't punch this person. I'm like, I got to stay employed. I got a family to feed. Maybe if I just slap them really hard. Because I was angry. You know, if someone crosses someone that you love very much, but I'm like, that's totally irrational. Okay, I'm just being real. Okay, I'm a human. But then I did phase three. And let's look at um, Psalm 109. This is called the imprecatory psalm. And what happened here is King David is writing when he's being betrayed. Well, actually, it was just David at the time. And he writes this prayer. Be not silent, O God, of my praise. For wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircled me with words of hate and attacked me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Okay, so far so good. Skipping to nine. May his children be fatherless. Whoa, can you say that? May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Wow, God, kill that guy. You know, that's basically what he's saying. Kill that guy. I want her to, you know, suffer. May 10, may his children wander about and beg. This is, this is in the Bible. God, oh, let these kids be, you know, fatherless and just poor and, you know, destitute and suffering. These little kids. It's like, whoa, he's mad. 11, may the creditor seize all that he has. Oh, and that's not enough, God. Take his bank account and just like let the money burn in his face. You know, he's like super passionate. Is this how we're supposed to pray? It's in the Bible. Let me tell you why this is in the Bible or why I think that the Holy Spirit put this in the Bible. I want you to notice David did not deal with it in the flesh. He funneled all of his emotion to God. That's what I did too is eventually I did that. (laughs) Um, This psalm shows you that when you're hurt, when you're violated, when you're wrestling with real-life hurts, pains, abuses, issues of justice, it is okay for us to pour our hearts out to God and saying, God, would you deal with this situation? And God, he understands the emotion. He's not saying that we should, you know, Jesus said, love your enemies, right? This is not exactly loving our enemies. But the point is, the next phase is after you get the news and you're dealing with the emotion, go to God in prayer and just pray and just just let him know exactly how you're feeling. And then, but you're giving it to God and giving it to his domain because we know that David did not take revenge himself. The fourth thing I did is it says plans fail for lack of counsel. Some men in this church, also my brother who, who turned his life around, okay, after I threw him in the dryer, um, they gave me good counsel. You should, and then I, based on the counsel, I took steps in the natural realm. I didn't write just a crazy mad email, which would be my normal, <laughs> my old Mike would do that. You know, the pen is mightier than the sword. Try this, you know. Instead, I, I, said, I said to myself, I got to write this in a dispassionate way 
that it could be read in a court of law or to police authorities. And I, I went through proper channels. You know, Paul did that as well. When he was arrested falsely, Paul said, this is not good enough. I appeal to Caesar because I'm a Roman citizen. So you see through Paul's example, you can go through the authorities and you should report. And that's what I did as well. And I, and I can just tell you that some justice on earth was done. It did have an effect, and I'm thankful that I was able to see some of it. So that's, I think what the Lord wants to say to us today is he wants you to know that he's recorded all the wrongs done to you, and he doesn't want you carrying that hatred, that vengeance. He wants you to give that to him. Let him take care of it. He'll, he will take care of it. He's more than able. So once again, number one is people are watching us. Number two, reason why we don't take vengeance is that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And again, the third reason why is that when we actually follow what Christ does, it brings shame to those who've done wrong, and it could bring conviction and repentance. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are so worthy, Jesus, to be followed. Many times I'm like Peter, Lord. I'm like Peter explaining to you how you got it wrong through my foolishness and my foolish behavior. But Jesus, you're patient, you're loving, you're kind. And you say to us, you've forgiven us so much. How can we hold sins of others against us, Lord? Against you and you alone have we sinned, Lord. Help us, God, if we're harboring unforgiveness, hatred, bitterness. We just, right now, in the name of Jesus, we give it to you and say, Lord, forgive me for holding on to this. I release it to you. I forgive this person. Doesn't mean it's okay, but I forgive them to take them off my hook and give them to you, Lord. And now, Lord, I pray that you would take vengeance. You would make it right. I trust you, Jesus. I see in Revelation 20 in the scriptures that you take care of business. I see in the story of Esther that sometimes you even take care of business where I can see it, Lord. But I'm not equipped to take care of the vengeance business or the bitterness business or the forgiveness business. This is your domain, Lord. So we give it to you, Lord. Help us to walk this out and be holy in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen.